Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. This is Alana here with Jamie. How's it going, Jamie? I'm going, I'm going well. Thank you. You're going well. (laughs) I'm going good. (laughs) My husband and I had this big argument, a grammar argument about if somebody says, how are you doing? If you should say good or well, because technically like arguments can be made either way because good is an adjective and well is an adverb. So if they say, how are you versus how are you doing? Your answer actually needs to be one or the other to be grammatically correct. I have never thought of that. So I am, because I've always been very conscious about, I am doing well because you are doing how you're doing well, but, and then how are you? I'm good. That's yeah. Okay. That's very interesting. I had never I had never gotten into that, to that level. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah, or is it well happens. to know? <laughs> exactly. Something. The more you, you dive into like the ins and outs grammar, the more you second guess everything you say. I know. I do love grammar though. I really love grammar, which is, con- it's very frustrating in this day and age though. Cause even advertisements, journalists use mm-hmm. poor grammar and it's kind of, you know, you could become a snob about it and I don't want to be a snob about it. I want to be humble and, you know, um, you know, I want to be, I want to be a good person, but I do tend yeah. to kind of like flag the grammar and I'm like, okay, did you went to school for this? Right. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> so that yeah, mean? You are oh snob, my goodness. I'm really so snarky. Mean. That's so mean. Oh my god. Well, and to be fair, like by the time you're in college for journalism, you're not really talking the grammar you're talking, you know, about the actually important kinds of things. I think it's assumed that, you know, the grammar, yeah. <laughs> I will say, I think in, when it comes to journalism, like actual good journalism, or is it well journalism? Uh, well, good journalism. Jur- no, I, I saying, journalist well. <laughs> uh, yes, I journalist well. But no, good journalism is so much more important than good grammar. And so, if Absolutely. you're going to be a, uh, you know, what would you call it? I'm I'm losing my words today. Um, uh, grammar Nazi. Yeah, no. But if you want to be a like, uh, if you want to have good character, I think in your journalism and and be well rounded and, uh, oh my goodness, what you call it. Uh, impartial in your your journalism. uh uh I think that's way more important than grammar, but man. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for the snark. I I need to confess that that's, that'll be my confession today. (laughs) My snarky grammar attitude. (laughs) Well, uh, you know, that it was Scott's good grammar that first attracted me to him since we emailed before we started talking. So was it really? It was. Oh, that's super yeah. cool. It's uh it is important to be able to express yourself well, but it's also important not to be a snob about it. So well, it's welcome because... everybody to the uh Christian grammar snob podcast. Is that that's what right? We that'll be the spin-off podcast <laughs> off of praying right. Christian women. We will be praying that we will you guys... pray with perfect grammar. <laughs> and and be praying for all of those, you know. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like those. Uh, That's right. Or grammar those journalists people. who can't use right grammar. Oh correct. my goodness, I feel terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you should. I forgive you, but it's you know it's God who's really got to, it's it's God and it's all those poor journalists that you're you're shunning. It is. I'm sorry. Okay, one more quick tangent story, and then we'll actually get into our episode. Uh, I sent out an email to the authors on my list. So I've got a list for my readers that I've got a list for the authors that I do courses for. And someone wrote back and pointed out two typos that I had in my email. And 
it was very much like, why would I pay you to teach me how to market my books when you obviously don't even know how to write a full sentence? And what? like, I have, I have no shame about how many typos end up in my writing. <laughs> and for me, it's almost like I've decided to spin it and make it a point of pride. It's like, yeah, I, I think so fast. I type so fast that of course there are going to be errors in there. <laughs> I was just going to say, like, if anyone in the world has ever even one time heard you typing in the background, they would understand (laughs) that it would just like, there's no way that you're not, I mean, that's what you pay an editor for. And that's why you're so productive is anyway, Mm -hmm. I'm totally on board with you. You don't worry about it. And that's what you pay someone to do. Right. Yeah. So I, I took his email address and I politely unsubscribed him from the list. I'm like, you obviously don't want to hear from me and I don't want to hear from you. He said, bye. That is a very healthy, like, you know what? You don't even need to engage. Cause what I find is if I engage in with someone and even if your intentions are good, it sometimes spirals down into snark. Mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. you're, yeah, you know, and so it's, it's definitely better to just be like, look, it's obvious we're going to part ways. Right. And that is, you know, not let it not let your, yeah. yeah. Do not sit in your anger. Just well, and don't take it personally ways. either. Exactly. You know, like for me, I wasn't personally attacked. I was like, wow, you're a petty, um, you know, whatever I want to call you and still be kind about it. Like you're a petty individual. Yeah. Um, bye. <laughs> That's kind of how it was. Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking grammar. We're not talking internet trolls today. No. What are we talking? Oh, we're talking empathy. And we're prayer. talking this about empathy. Cool. So, you know, empathy and prayer, but you know, I mean, empathy can also help us in these situations where we find ourselves being rubbed the wrong way or yeah. finding ourselves being, you know, like for instance, me being snarky about the grammar. And then I'm like, well, you know what? that person, put yourself in that person's shoes and, you know, Mm -hmm. it can help us to be better Christians in general. Absolutely. And I'd say there are also some kind of hangups that if you are very empathetic that you need to be careful about, like there, we think of empathy. And I think, especially like in the spiritual world, in the Christian women kind of world, like empathy is seen as very positive thing, right? It's a virtue, But there are some times where our empathy can really harm us. Like you and I both know um, I'm getting business coaching from a mutual friend of ours and I love, and she's the first to say it. Like she has very, very, very low empathy. That doesn't mean she's a mean person. It doesn't mean she's not compassionate, but I actually love that her empathy is so low because I can call her up and dump a ton of junk on her. And know that it's not going to impact her. Whereas like between you and me, like that day I called you up sobbing because we were going to have to find a new home for our dog. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, I, I, you couldn't not feel that. Right. So sometimes having too much empathy, especially when we're talking about bringing empathy into our prayer closets with us, sometimes there are some hangups. So I guess if you're the kind of person who is really empathetic, please don't look down your nose at people who aren't like my business coach is a dear friend, a beloved sister in Christ. And she has given me amazing tips and advice and she has very low empathy. And also like, if you're not an empathetic person, I don't want you to feel like, Oh, I can't pray. Right. I'm not feminine. I'm not discerning. Um, yeah, there's there, we all fall on a different level of the empathy spectrum and there are strengths and weaknesses 
on both ends. So this whole conversation will be about like, where are you on that spectrum and how can you lean into your strengths the most? I love that. Awesome. Well, Well, you want to start us off in a word of prayer? Yeah, we've got prayer in our verse of the day. All right. Great. God, we just thank you so much for bringing us together to talk about prayer and specifically the role that empathy plays in our prayer lives for better or worse. Um, as always, we just are seeking balance. We're seeking to um, embrace our individuality as well. And we just pray that you would help each person today as we discuss this to gain an insight into who you've made them to be and, and to help apply whatever that is, whatever that looks like to helping us to become better prayers and, and to draw closer to you in prayer and to be more powerful prayer warriors in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Our verse of the day is first Peter three, eight. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. I think that just, you know, an interesting little verse there. I did not dive into the Greek, you know, uh, word Uh translated as sympathy. I would be interested to know Mm -hmm. is that because sympathy and empathy are different technically. Like I think, you know, in Mm -hmm. the, in the, um, in, in the American language, in the English language, (laughs) I'm telling you I'm off today. Don't judge me. Have empathy. Um, (laughs) and sympathy. (laughs) Yeah. But sympathy is more like, I feel sorry for you. Whereas Mm -hmm. empathy is more, I relate to you, but anyway, it just, yeah. Or even more so with empathy, like not only do I feel sorry for you, I absorb your emotions. That's it. I, I feel, uh, I can feel what it's like to be you and and feel your feelings. Yes. Perfect example of empathy is my son when he was five or six, always been very, very empathetic. And we were listening to one of the Narnia books and audio. Uh, I think it, might've been Prince Caspian, but it was whichever one it was where somebody had to like push a thorn through Aslan's paw. Hmm. I don't remember what that was, which book it was, but as soon as we got to that part in the story, like my son gasped and then he said, ouch, that hurt. <laughs> like, cause he was hearing about the thorn going into Aslan's paw and he felt it right. Aww. That's empathy. Um, it can be, like in a one-on-one, I think is where we think of empathy. Like Jamie and I are talking and I feel what she's feeling. Some of it does happen on an intuitive level. Like we get on a call and I can tell from your voice that you're feeling tired and down. And so then all of a sudden I feel tired and down, Mm -hmm. right? Or sometimes it can even be, have you ever like walked into a church meeting or something and, and you don't have to consciously ask yourself, how do people in this meeting feel, right? Like if you can just kind of absorb that, <laughs> then you're probably an empathetic person. I would say um, you'll know you're an empathetic person if there were certain like songs or movies that you just can't handle certain scenes because it's too much. Like uh, there are a couple songs that my husband really likes because he doesn't get super emotionally into music. And so if there is a song that actually makes him feel something, he really appreciates that. Whereas Mm -hmm. to me, by the time it gets to that point, like tears in heaven is a good example. And if you know the story behind it, it's really tragic. So like, I'm never going to listen to that song. It just, it is not allowed in my home or playlist or car, because for me, it's too much of the feels like it's empathic overload. (laughs) 
Yeah. And, you know, I had never put together the fact because I do know about myself that when I'm talking with someone or interacting with someone, I tend to reflect their whatever, their mood, their demeanor, their ease at talking with people. Like I, I find that there are certain people like I, I just kind of morph into like Mm -hmm. the, the conversation and the personality of the person I'm talking to in, in many cases, I've even listened to podcast episodes where I talk to certain people and I'm like, like on interviews. And I think, I'm like, that doesn't even like it it almost to me doesn't sound like me because I'm sort of reflecting the energy of that person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which I think is what makes you a great interviewer, to be honest. Well, thanks. I never had thought about that as, uh, as empathy, but that's interesting, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm because I just know it's very hard for me when I, there are certain people that you talk to who are hard to read. And that Uh makes me very awkward. It makes me, Mm -hmm. or if I can't tell what someone's thinking, or if I suspect that they're thinking something or I'm, and I'm trying to, it's like, I send out these, um, like, uh, virtual feelers while I'm talking to people. And if I can't grasp what's going on, it's very disarming. And it kind of makes me an awkward human being when I'm interacting with them. So it's interesting. Your grammar bad, right? It makes your grammar poor. It makes my grammar really makes your grammar poorly. That's right. That's right. It makes it. Make yeah. Anyway. No, I would say that's all, you know, an empathy Interesting. kind of thing. I know for mm. me, um, think about this as an example for anybody listening to figure out like how your empathy plays out. Cause you know, everybody's got at least some, and for some, it's going to be more pronounced for some others. You know, I, I feel like this kind of goes hand in hand with our conversation about praying intuitively and intuitive intercession, right? Like some people are going to have overload of it and they just know that that's always how they've been. Um, As an example, like I went to a funeral when I was in high school, we had friends like the, the kid and I weren't very close friends, but we knew the family. Um, Our moms kind of knew each other, but it wasn't like, you know, inner circle friendships and um, his dad died unexpectedly of a heart attack. And so we went to the, uh, not quite a viewing, but whatever you would like, whatever you call it, where like, it's not to see the casting, but it's just to go express sympathy to the family. Mm -hmm. And there was a long line. And by the time we got like two or three people until it was time for us to, you know, give our respects and, you know, to tell the family how sorry we were for their loss. I just lost it. Mm-hmm. It was like, I didn't even know the dad. I don't think I'd ever even met him. Like I had maybe seen him from a distance, but the sadness of the entire room was mm-hmm. just too much to handle. And I didn't know, especially as a teenager, like, I think that's something that people who are really high in empathy, we need to almost practice putting barriers up, right? Like you're talking, Jamie, about like, if I meet somebody with a barrier up, I don't know how to handle it. But like, if you're overly empathetic, sometimes you actually need to put some barriers up or like our energy just gets soaked to whatever is around mm, us. So, that's a good point. Yeah. A question for people listening to kind of figure out how does your empathy play out? I like to think about like your pet personality peeve, right? Like, do you have a type of person and it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're even doing anything wrong, but they just rub you the wrong way. And then try to ask yourself, like, is that personality conflict? Is there something in the 
empathy side of things going on. Like, so for me, I have a really hard time with people who are really, really, really frantic. Like it's always busy, 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 busy. I'm so flustered. Uh, Oh, that's like totally me. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's me. But, but <laughs> there's no, no, no. You never no, convey a sense of frenzy. I feel you're like very I busy. Right. Maybe not but, when we're together, but I feel like I am that type of person. Oh, really? have a, well, when I have a task to do, and that's something I don't okay. like about myself, but anyway, mm-hmm. go ahead. I want to hear this because this is, I, I won't be offended. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe when we're together, like you're empathically picking up on my more like let's not be hectic and frenzied. We've got all the time we need. But when I'm around people who are so go, 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 frenzy, 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 my life is spiraling. I get really anxious. And so I know that that's just a personality type. And it's not, again, like I'm not judging. I'm not being mean to them. I just know this is a personality that is hard for me to deal with. Right. Um, and because for me, I do take on some of the emotions of the people I'm around. And one of the emotions I hate is frantic frenzy. And so it's hard for me to be around people like that. Do you have a kind of personality peeve kind of like that? Yeah. And it's negativity because Mm -hmm. I, um, because I, uh, try to be, I don't know. I would consider myself an optimist. Oh, for sure. You totally are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause I start now I'm starting to think, yeah, but I, I can be negative a lot. I can complain. I can be kind of, a, but I, anyway, I, I tend to be an optimist. I think as I've become a mom and a wife and a like mm-hmm. more responsibilities, I have become more of a, uh, I don't know. I don't want to, maybe a complainer. And I, that's something okay. I've been working on, but to my mm-hmm. close friends and you're one of them. So I'm like, yeah, you yeah. probably see me as more negative than most people because you see the side of me that I don't show very many people. <laughs> so no, I see he's a very positive person. Okay. Well, in that case, I guess I am an optimist, <laughs> but when I am around negativity for too long, uh-huh. it literally like I find myself and lately I've been just like, when that happens, I find myself being sapped of energy. It's like a sucking the energy out kind of thing because I, and, and I think the reason is I, I think there's a degree of work that I'm not realizing that goes into a degree of energy that goes into staying positive and keeping that out. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. not only do I sense the negativity of another person and sort of, you know, like that, then I have to work extra hard for myself, but I take on the responsibility mm-hmm. of making them positive and happy. Yeah. And, and that is for sure empathy too. Yeah. No, that's but, an empathy pitfall. It's yeah. not only do I feel your negative emotions, but now I feel responsible to pull you up and to make you feel happy. And I think it's yeah. important to remind yourself, like, that's not your job, mm-hmm. you know, like, like that guy who emailed me about typos, like my job is to provide coaching and training for authors. My job isn't to write perfect emails with no typos, <laughs> you know, like, so yeah, I think that again is a huge empathy pitfall. And when you're in a situation where you feel like, I think you described it so perfectly, your energy is getting sucked out of you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're just left with nothing. Um Yeah, I think that for sure is an empathy thing. And then especially if you feel responsible 
so there's kind of two levels of empathy. Like, let's say that you and I is empathetic people go into a church meeting where everybody's really like high, high tensions. Okay. You and I are both going to feel that we're going to be uncomfortable there because we also both hate conflict. <laughs> okay. We sense that it's going to be an energy suck for both of us because we sense it where we need to draw a line though, is to remind ourselves my job is to protect my positivity. My job isn't to bring everybody else up. And I think that can help it from turning into um, like an entire energy sap. Like you're still going to lose some energy, but it's the difference between like a drip out of a bucket (laughs) and just like turning the bucket upside down and like, boom, all of my, you know, energy (laughs) and positivity is totally gone. Yeah. Um, but before we get too deep more into our discussion, I want to go to our just for fun because I love the question you came up with. Uh, what animal do you relate to most? Yeah. And I was thinking about this and I just, I don't, I, I tried to draw parallels and I don't have a lot, but uh, the, okay. I don't even know how to say it. I used to think it was octopi. Now I've heard it's octopuses. So you get to basically just pick whichever word you want. Octopus. Octopus. <laughs> are the octopus are the creatures no the octopus is the creature creature. (laughs) the octopus is the creature uh that i can relate to most and i just actually jamie let me interrupt real quick the octopus is the creature to which you most relate oh thank you that was perfect grammar i'm like on top of the world That made my day. I'm sure um, our listeners are totally edified that we got one perfectly grammatically correct, somewhat complex sentence down. I think so. All right. But I don't know why for my birthday, a couple of years ago, uh, I've been wanting to do an octopus encounter at the, um, mm-hmm. the sea life center. Mm-hmm. And so our family went and actually went to the octopus encounter for my birthday. And it was like, Oh my goodness. Like, there was just something about it. I don't know what it is about them, but it was just the coolest experience. Um, and we, yeah, I'm, I guess I shouldn't, I guess I can publicly say it cause I didn't say where we went specifically, but we weren't really supposed to touch the octopus, but he let oh, us, no. he let us cool. just real quick. And it was, I mean, like, I just, I looked at, I looked into its eyes and mm-hmm. It was just so cool. It was so cool. And I think there's, there's solitary creatures. Have you seen um, my octopus teacher, the movie on Netflix that was on no. a, few, so a couple of years ago, maybe last year, my octopus teacher was this documentary that was on Netflix and it was, I loved it. I watched it before we went to the octopus encounter and they're solitary creatures, which I am definitely an introvert. And I can mm. think, you know, we've been watching this series about that involves space. And I just, I will think sometimes I would love to just put on the suit and just be out there just alone mm. for a while. Just like, wouldn't that be awesome? So they're solitary creatures. They're, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. They're just, they're, they're really neat. They live in the water. There's something cool about the water. I don't know. But I, I just feel like something about an octopus, I feel like I can kind of relate to. 
I mean, they're Maybe extremely... because you wish you had more hands so that you could do more oh, things at once. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I had eight arms so that I could get more things done, but you know, they're extremely intelligent. So I'm, mm-hmm. I guess that's probably why I relate so well to them because probably. of my, my extreme well, intelligence. <laughs> and I hear they've got impeccable grammar and they kind of look down their noses, their metaphorical noses, their metaphorical noses. They look down their who knows their tentacles had like <laughs> siphon I don't know okay well let's do one more thing because an octopus is kind of famous for being able to fit anywhere um, oh that's a good one and they also change color they can can't they yeah. change colors and patterns which I think is amazing and that is well, true and it's I'm similar empathy. to what you were talking about yeah. with your interviews you know you can kind of fit into different scenarios easily and no, I think that's a very good one. That's like a subconscious way that I can relate to the octopus is blending in and then yeah. also morphing depending on the situation. I like it. Cool. Yeah. Well, you? I knew, I knew octopi was your favorite animals, um, but I didn't know if that was the one you were actually going to personally relate to most. Yeah, Do you know mine? I couldn't think I couldn't, I could yeah. not think. No, of, I think it fits. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what is yours? Uh, elephant. Okay. Um, yeah, that's why whenever I'm at your house, I'm always admiring your your mom's really cute elephant things. Yes. Um, so I think for me, I love that they're just there, mm-hmm. right? Like they don't have to have like beautiful peacock feathers. They don't have to be fast, right? But they're just there, and they're big, and they don't they don't mind being big. Like I don't know, they're the, I think that side of it's cool. I think that it's, I love learning about their social structures. Oh, um, yeah. I think it's really cool how they're so matriarchal and how the moms kind of all share, like everybody's a mom or an aunt or a grandma <laughs> or things like I, I was watching a documentary once about like elephant moms, when they hear a baby cry, they will look to that baby's mom. Like they, they know each other's babies or you'll see the videos when they all work together to pull the baby out of the mud mm-hmm. pit and that kind of thing. So I love for me, it's like the exact opposite of you and your octopus. Like I love that they're in such a close community, um, which is really funny because when you look at our, my life compared to your life, like I'm way more, you know, hermity than you are. Maybe we both want what we can't have. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Gravitating toward the thing that, that isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I would say of the elephants, like, I love that there's just this like I, like some people might look at them and be like, what a clumsy fat animal. I think they're beautiful. Oh, like I, I think, think they're they majestic. so stately and majestic mm-hmm. and beautiful. So I love that side of it. I love that they're not hurried ever about anything. Like they That's just are true. <laughs> and then I, yeah, I love their, just their social structure, their community, all the moms together, taking care of all the babies, lots of things. So yeah, I'm big, big elephant fan. Yeah. All righty. Um, I am not scared of mice though. That is one thing that elephants and I do not have in common. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. I'm not scared of mice either. Spiders. Yes. Yeah. See, I love the spiders because they eat our mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. My, my husband and I were, we're actually like, we're not just ambivalent. Like we actually really, really love spiders. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to show you the video. Them. Have you seen the video of the wolf spider? That's like being helped by the human Mm-mm. to get fuzz. I'll have to share that with you. There's something okay. that was going around Facebook and it's this huge, scary looking wolf spider. 
Uh-huh. And this, this person, it has like dryer lint or something like all over it, like yeah. fuzz attached oh. to its legs. And there's uh-huh. this person with tweezers and uh-huh. just like, and at first it kind of scurries away from the human, Yeah, but then it realizes, but then it in. holds its little leg out for them to like, start pulling oh. the lint off of. I'm like, I don't like spiders. And I was just like, Oh, isn't it sweet? <laughs> That's funny. And then it rolls over for a little belly rub. Yeah, for a be- <laughs> that just gave me the sorry, sorry, oh. sorry, 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 sorry. Elephants okay. are cool. Octopus are great. We'll, uh, we'll forget the spider conversation. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. So, back to empathy. Back to empathy. But I loved that question. I thought that was so fun. Um, totally one more tangent. I have started doing some office work for our church. And so I got to buy like some cool elephanty office things. So I have like oh, a little yeah. elephant pen holder. I've got an elephant mouse pad. I'm pretty happy with my Do setup. you know what would be perfect for you? The elephant chia pet. That would be cool. They do have little elephant planters that I'm thinking about getting, you know, like yeah. little elephant shaped pots. A chia pet would be fun though. <laughs> An elephant chia. Well, I love baby elephants because they're so fuzzy, like on the top of their heads. Oh, that's right. That would be perfect. All right. But one day you and I can take a trip to Africa and we will do, um, you can actually like get elephant massages. Have you seen these? No. Where you like you lay down and the elephant actually puts like they're trained, obviously. Um, he'll like put its foot on your back. Oh, that could be dangerous because one step and you're like, I know. And you know, I I much prefer elephants in the wild anyway. So maybe not, but maybe we'll at least go to a, I don't know, go on a safari and see some wild elephants. Anyway, <laughs> tangents after tangent, back to empathy. Um, let's see. So first let's talk about, I think we we've already discussed what empathy is. So next, let's talk about all of the ways that empathy can help us in our prayers. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Um, so I think there's kind of the obvious, like if I can sense that you're sad without you needing to tell me that you're sad, then that's going to help me learn how to pray for you better. I think that, like I said, it ties into our intuitive intercession, um, going well, and, deeper. Yeah. Well, and even just opening doors for, to ask someone, cause if you're not empathetic, mm-hmm you could just kind of go about your day and just, you know, not, not notice necessarily you're, Mm -hmm. you know, not notice when someone is in need of prayer. And so it could be a flag so that you're like, okay, how can I pray for you? Or is there, is something bothering you? You know, what's going on? Whereas if you don't have that, then that door might not even be opened. Exactly. Exactly. I would say, here's a quick litmus test for everybody listening who doesn't really know how empathetic they are. Right. So think about the last five just kind of casual encounters you've had, right? With, you know, somebody you said hi to in the store or, you know, just quick casual encounters. Think about like the five most recent of those. And then ask yourself, how quickly, if I had to think of one thing to pray for this individual, how quickly could I nail down that one thing? Mm -hmm. And if you can do that like that, then you're probably 
a pretty empathetic person. If not, then you might not be as empathetic. And just like intuitive intercession, this is a practice that can be developed, but it's also something that you don't need to feel bad if you don't have, because again, so much about prayer is finding your own unique prayer strengths and your prayer Mm -hmm. personality and leaning into that. So if you know that you're like my husband who doesn't have an empathetic bone in his body, (laughs) don't worry. Like I would say, spend time praying about the things that that you're meant to pray for. And don't worry about the fact that like you, you can't look at somebody and accurately guess how they feel and what kind of prayers they need. Like, don't worry about it. But if you're in this in-between area where you're like, this sounds pretty cool. Sometimes I can read people pretty well, but I would love to be able to do more of that. I would just say, this is a, this is a skill that you can practice just like, a gymnastics routine, or just like baking bread, the more you do it, the better you can get at it. So again, a really quick example of an exercise you could do, think about those casual encounters, right? Like it wouldn't be fair for me to look at Jamie. Cause like, I know Jamie and we talk all the time about really deep things. So it doesn't really matter that I can look at you and accurately guess how you feel most of the time, right? So start with casual encounters. Go to the store while the person's checking out your groceries. Ask yourself, if I knew that I could only pray one thing for this person, would I know what that one thing would be? Or like, if I could only pray about one area of this person's life, you might not accurately guess, right? You might look at this person and decide that you want to pray for their health when really their biggest prayer need right now is for their finances, right? It doesn't matter. Like who's praying the quote wrong thing for somebody can't ever be bad. I mean, I guess unless you're like praying curses on them, but nobody, nobody listening is going to be doing something like that. So go ahead and practice that skill. And again, this isn't so that you can give yourself a pat on the back. I would say that's a huge red flag. If you're seeking deeper empathy so that you can almost pull it out like a parlor trick, right? Like, Jamie, you're glowing. Are you expecting a baby? Right? Like if you just want to be able to do that all the time and Jamie's not pregnant for anybody who's wondering, but like, especially my husband, hun, it's okay. You are glowing today that you look beautiful and radiant. Why, thank you. <laughs> no, like don't seek empathy so that you can impress people, right? This is between you and God. If I can look at a stranger and know what they're feeling, know their struggles, and know how to pray for them, it is so that I can become a better intercessor. It is not so that I can impress my friends by, you know, revealing something that nobody else knows. It's not so I can make somebody feel totally uncomfortable, be like, I sense that you're struggling in your marriage. May I pray for you? Um, That's going to just make people feel really, really awkward and weird. So again, this is between you and God, but it is something that can be practiced and developed a little bit. Yeah. I have a friend I'd be, I'll have to ask her about empathy because her her name is Nancy and she is one of the most conversational people I've ever met in terms of like, she, she comes across kind of quiet. She's not like a boisterous person. Um, But when you talk to her, she just, she asks probing questions immediately. Mm -hmm. She doesn't just small talk. Like she starts asking about important things. She retains 
uh, details about stuff that you've said years ago, probably, and wow. asks about them, you know, because mm-hmm. we don't see each other all that often. I wonder, I just feel like maybe as someone who's empathetic, if it equips you to know to ask the right questions because you're thinking like that person would think. I just, mm-hmm. I'd be interested to know where she stands on empathy. Yeah, I think part of the gift but, of empathy is being able to draw things out of people. Yeah. Right. So and I would say that's exactly what she does. You find yourself mm-hmm. in a conversation with her and, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, like I haven't talked about that stuff with anyone. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that that can fall into an empathy thing. Um, I think, you know, if we're going to start again with just ways that empathy can enhance Chris, I feel like also, uh, we're talking a lot about interpersonal empathy, like, you know, one person to one person, but I think also, you know, the things in the news that, that sap your energy and pull you down and get Mm -hmm. you depressed or discouraged. Those are the things that you can begin praying for. So like good example, our family was woken up like 1030 couple weeks ago by the state emergency system, texting all our phones, telling us there's a tsunami warning. So first of all, we're not in a coastal area. So we're like, what's going on? Was this a glitch? Um, At first, you know, we went to all of the the websites, nothing was up. And then about 10 minutes later, we learned that there was this massive 8.1 earthquake on some of the islands, like really, really far from us. Um, You guys didn't feel the earthquake itself, did you, Jamie? We did a little. Oh, you like, did. Okay. The only way we felt it, there was the, the guys were watching a movie that was kind of loud, but I was in the kitchen and all of a sudden the pot rack just, mm. you know, some, some earthquakes yeah. are rolling. Some of them are shakers. Yeah. This wasn't a yeah. shaker. It was just okay. everything in the house. And then I looked and the chandelier was swaying back and forth. <laughs> That's so, always a good gauge. <laughs> yeah. The house wasn't like rumbling, but we did okay. still feel it, you know, however many hundreds of miles, hundreds away. hundreds of miles away. Yeah. 8.1 is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, like we lived through a, a big one in Alaska a couple years ago. I was in the 89, I think San Francisco quake. So like I've been in some pretty big earthquakes and 8.1, that's, that's a big, big quake. Yeah. But anyway, um, so we found out, okay, there's a big quake, there's tsunami warnings in a lot of Alaska, the tsunami warnings went all the way down to Hawaii. Um, I was very, very anxious and scared. And my husband, and again, like he's, he's not going to mind. I'm not throwing him under the bus because we know he's not an empathetic person. So for him, he's like, our family is not in danger of a tsunami. Let's go back to sleep. (laughs) In my mind, it was thousands of people in my home state might lose their homes and maybe their lives. This is horrible, right? It's, um, it's like, is it Yoda who does like a great disturbance in the forest or whatever? Oh yeah. I sense I'm really, really bad. A disturbance. I don't know either. I, I don't actually know, but that sounds right. Okay. <laughs> he would say it backwards. He would yes. say it backwards because he has not listened to our podcast to learn how to grab a day. But yeah, so that's another thing with empathy is uh, sometimes it, it gets you down when truly there's nothing you can do. Like in a way right. I admire my husband. We don't need to evacuate. It's late. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> Right. Like it's very much like Jesus, like, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow can worry about itself. I mean, thankfully, I'm sure 
everybody knows by now there was no tsunami which is great well there <laughs> was a small tsunami i saw there? this in the news i didn't hear it was one foot one foot wave and so it didn't do anything but i saw in the news i just actually... I, I had to laugh because they said there was a small tsunami and like a small tsunami that seems like an oxymoron but yeah, yeah. there's a tiny tsunami but nothing happened but there was a That's wave hilarious. generated well, yeah, Alaska ocean waves are itty bitty. So like you think about people in Hawaii or California who are used to like five or six foot waves, you know, just a high tide and like right. what? one foot wave. But anyway, um, empathy can bog you down yeah. from things like that. Right. But it can also add fuel to your prayers, right? Like I was up for a couple hours because I was nervous and I was refreshing the whole time because that's the scary thing with tsunamis is like, if there was going to be a tsunami, it wouldn't hit land for a couple hours. So it was right. kind of just a waiting game. And so I'm sitting there, I'm refreshing and refreshing and I'm praying and I'm praying. And so that's what I would say. If you, if you feel that energy sap from news and current events, you can turn that into things to pray for. Yes, I totally agree. I was also up refreshing and uh, mm -hmm. my half brother and his family were in or and his wife and friends were in Cordova at the time and they did get a tsunami warning and I was waiting because I'm like, well, they're, you know, here they are, they're, you know, his wife's first time in Alaska and yeah. like they're, and they weren't worried at all because they said, well, they told us they'd ring the siren if we needed to evacuate. And so they mm -hmm. went to sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was up refreshing. Yeah. And then I thought it's supposed to hit sand point at this time. It's this time and past. What, why aren't they letting us know that there was no wave or what happened? Cause they right. would know at a certain time, if there was a wave, and they didn't let us know. <laughs> well, that's the thing with Alaska news. Like we just, we just don't make news, right? <laughs> you know, we really don't yeah. like, even I think I went on to CNN the next morning <laughs> It was all about Hawaii. Like yeah. it was way, way down at the bottom. Right. And, it like, and it was just that who Hawaii, Hawaii was under a watch last yeah, night. Exactly. What about the people who like lived through an 8.1 quake? Do they get, do they get to share their story? But I guess not anyway. Well, but um, what you're saying about how it can, you can take that energy or I'm sorry, you can take that, um, that feeling that burden mm -hmm. and you can give it to God in prayer and channel that in and it really is. I mean, if the energy is going to go out anyway, don't just let it yeah. be wasted, channel it up to, to God. And so mm -hmm. I ran across this during the time when, um, when the Islamic state was persecuting yeah. believers and other Muslims, like they're just, there's all this persecution, people being displaced, mass, uh, refugee stuff going on. And mm -hmm. for whatever reason that, that gripped me and I, found myself like not for a while, I was not able to even watch the news or look mm -hmm. because I had gotten so tied up in it. But what I realized though, was I was worrying about it more than I was praying for it. Right. And so, I mean, it really does when, when things like that happen, it really is a powerful, you know, it's become a litmus test for me. The things that make me cry, the things that, that make my gut not up, when yeah. I read them, those are mm -hmm. the things that God is, you know, it's the, I look at it as the Holy spirit prompting me, or maybe the way that God designed me, my body flagging, Hey, this is something that, that you need to channel in prayer mm -hmm. to God. Um, mm -hmm. 
because yeah, the, the energy is going to go out worrying about it. Why not yes. channel that energy into, you know, I think Satan can twist that flag into chronic worry, something that's going to keep you from God, something that's going to yes. keep you from kingdom benefits and, and purpose. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we flip it and just say, look, I'm going to channel that energy into prayer and yeah. then you get filled back up, you know, God can, God mm-hmm. can relieve that burden and, and yeah. help you. But yeah. Yeah. I think the deeper you feel about an issue, the more thoroughly you can pray for it. Um, like you and I have a mutual friend who's in the hospital recovering from COVID mm-hmm. and it's gotten us both worried and sad, but it also means that we can pray more thoroughly because right we need a way to release those anxious thoughts and kind of right now prayer is the only way we can do that. She doesn't live near either of us. We can't go and, you know, talk to her or, or, you know, we're not doctors. We can't go give her medicine to make her better. And Mm -hmm. so in a way, the, the gift of empathy is the emotions are so strong that it's almost like you don't have a choice but to pray through them, your only other choice is to wallow. And none of us want to, you know, sit wallowing. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Well, are there, would you say that there are any, I guess we haven't gone through all the benefits of empathy, but we've gone through some, are there any cons to having empathy, any ways that being an empathetic person could negatively impact our prayer lives or pitfalls that we could kind of fall into. I think there's a lot. Like I almost feel like there's more. <laughs> I do too. The more we're talking about this, it. I know. For anybody who's listening and is like, man, I wish I was more empathetic. Or like there's kind of the sense of if I were more spiritual, I'd have more empathy, which I don't, I don't think they go together. Mm-hmm. Um really <laughs> I'm like don't be jealous of the empathy. <laughs> cause because it can be a big hang up. Um, I think that the, the stress that's kind of constantly there, especially in years like 2020, where everybody's nervous and everybody's afraid. If you're highly empathetic, you feel that. And it's, it's very hard to escape that feeling, right? It's hard to roll over in bed and say, we're not in a tsunami zone. So I'm going to go to sleep, right? Um, pitfalls of empathy. I'd say the biggest and most obvious is just the extra anxiety. That's very, very hard to shake. Like it's easy to say, yeah, you could take that burden and give it to God in prayer, but that's, it still doesn't change the fact that that's an exhausting process. Right. So I would say if you are highly empathetic, just be very cognizant of your energy levels. I, and, and think about it in two ways. Think about it in kind of the global sense of, I know that when I read too much news about this issue, it really gets me down. So I'm going to limit it or, you know, stuff like that. And also do that question that Jamie and I did, like, what are the personality peeves that feel like an energy suck for you? And I'm not saying that you need to cut those people out of your lives, but if you're going to be interacting with somebody that, you know, turns into that for you, um, you can give yourself a little extra time, a little extra prayer covering, uh, some recovery time. I know there's, there's was a person, I don't have to interact with them anymore, but it used to be that when I would have to interact with this person, I would need to almost like schedule a half an hour recovery time after any interaction. 
Wow. Because it did get me down. Right. And so I'm like, I'm going to schedule half an hour where I'm not going to expect to do anything, but like watch cute cat videos and dog videos online or something just to give that recovery time. Um, Those would be the kind of knee jerk pitfalls to watch out for and ways to help. What have you got in terms of just the, uh, the cons of empathy? I feel like, you know, some people will, will come to us, you know, email us questions or whatever about prayer. And one of the things we hear a lot is I just, I can't, uh, like there are just so many prayer overwhelm. There's so many people to pray for. I just, I don't even know where to begin. How do I do this? Mm -hmm. And I think as someone that is concerned about prayer, I think, you know, that, that if you are empathetic, that you will be, you will have, so you will want to pray for the world and and you'll want to every person that comes to you have them. And you're not going to be okay with just saying you pray for them. You're going to be like, wow, I've got to actually do this. And so Mm -hmm. it becomes difficult. I think for someone with empathy to let go and to let go and let God no, but to, (laughs) to release that prayer, you know, to God. And, and so you might either feel like this person, because I am so invested in what they're going through, not only am I taking those feelings on myself, mm-hmm. but I'm not able to just pray about it and, and let it be in God's and then hands. Go. Yeah. So I still feel it. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think sometimes we're meant to have prayer burdens that we keep praying for. And, and yes, there Absolutely. are those people and those issues that are definitely supposed to be long-term and, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're supposed to exert that energy praying for those things mm-hmm. and people. Mm-hmm. But I think we might have as empaths more of a difficulty discerning what we're called to pray for. And when we're called to pray once and say, okay, God, take this and and take that prayer. So, so I think maybe one of the pitfalls is either a, you take all of these prayers on and then get overwhelmed and then you just let it go. Cause you have nothing. Yeah. To, you're like, what do I even do? I'm, I'm just done. Where do I start? Yeah. Burn out. Or on the other end, you're afraid of what that is going to do to you. Maybe you've been burned and maybe you've, yeah. you've gotten sucked in. So you put up walls and you're like, I'm just, I can't, I just can't even engage with this person. Um, where like, I just can't, uh, can't take on that emotional burden yeah. that this, so you put up walls and you don't even pray at all. So I think those could be two extremes. Mm-hmm. So, you mm-hmm. know, I think there's a middle ground where kind of, like you said, uh, you know, you said taking those feelings, taking them to God, and then maybe releasing them and, or writing them down on a, on a list and praying yeah. through that list. God, which of these are ones that are, mm-hmm. that are going to stick for the long haul? Which of these right. are you releasing me to just pray mm-hmm. for and give them to you? And you know. yeah, I think that's a really good point in my business coaching. We were talking about earlier, Becca talks about the size of your plate as a metaphor of like how much you can handle. And everybody's mm-hmm. got a different size plate. Yeah. Uh, hers is like a one through 10. So if you got a 10 size plate, you can handle a ton of things and do a lot of things and have tons of fires going at once. You got a size one plate. You're like, I can handle one thing. And most of us are, you know, kind of in the comfortable middle, like four to seven or something like that. And I think that's a neat question that you can ask yourself, even when it comes to how much prayer burden 
you take on is what Ooh, size a, of a wow what's yeah. your prayer plate that's pretty what's cool what's your prayer plate i might only have room to pray for like to to thoroughly pray for one unsaved person right i am going to pray for this one unsaved person with my entire soul and mind and body i'm going to allow because especially if you're an empathetic person you'll know this even if you haven't consciously thought through it praying thoroughly for somebody is exhausting when your emotions get so caught Mm -hmm. up in it it truly is a sense of like god is wringing you out like a like a rag (laughs) and like all the extra energy is getting poured into your prayer it's exhausting and so you might only have the energy to pray that way for one person (laughs) Mm-hmm. at a time. And I'm not saying like, I'm going to pray for Jimmy. And then I'm going to pray for Gerald. I'm saying you're going to pray for Jimmy. And then eventually God's going to tell you that Jimmy's okay. And doesn't need as much intense prayer anymore. Then you can go pray for Gerald, you know? So I'm talking about like, you know, maybe years of, of focusing on one thing or months or weeks or whatever. Um, and same thing with like current events, you might have room on your plate to pray thoroughly for one unsaved loved one and for one um, like global issue, right? Those are the things you're going to take on as actual prayer burdens with a capital P and a capital B. I'm not saying that you're not going to pray for the other things, but you are going to, in a way, put up a wall. You're going to say, I'm going to pray for this, but I'm not going to pour my soul into this. I'm going to do my popcorn prayer. I'm going to say, help the president make good choices, help the judicial system to make righteous laws. Amen. The end, right? Like it's, it's okay to have some things that you just kind of shoot a quick prayer up to God for as they pop into your head. Whereas you also have, and, and what that does is it saves room on your plate for the things that God truly, truly, truly is calling you to do. I think as moms, everybody's going to know this. You don't pray for the neighbor kids the same way you pray for your own kids. It doesn't make you a selfish person. Mm -hmm. It makes you a good mommy. Right. And so I think that sometimes we do need to almost triage our prayer lists and prune it back and decide what you've got room for. I would say, if you have no clue what you have room for, start with, I have room to pray intensely for one unsaved person for one, one other person, like my pastor or something and one global issue. Those are the things that I will allow my energy. Cause, cause that's the other thing with empaths. It often feels like a very passive thing. I go into this room and boom, my energy's gone. Right. right? But we do have some control. We don't have like complete hundred percent control, but it is something that you can learn to do a better job controlling. You can learn to not let your emotions go beyond a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe you're saying, I am going to allow my soul to get poured into prayers for these things. But when I pray for these things, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to, um, And it's not being lazy. It's not phoning it in. It's just saying, I am going to conserve my energy in these areas so that my energy will last so that I can have a sustainable prayer life that's thorough and has impact. And I do allow my soul to get poured into these prayers, but I'm not going to give that energy to any and every prayer need that comes up. Yeah. No, I think that's very wise advice. 
And on the flip side of that, I think if you're low in empathy, um, I mean, I'm guessing it could mean not always that maybe you have a bigger plate, you know, or maybe your Mm -hmm. plate can fit more. Um, Exactly. I think so. It's almost a difference between um, let's, let's look at it this way. Like somebody with empathy can pray really, 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 really deep. They can go a hundred miles deep, but they can only do that for like one thing because that, that takes it all out of them. Whereas if you, if you don't have any idea what we're talking about, when we talk about like pouring your soul into a prayer and coming out exhausted at the end, then maybe, yeah, maybe it's that you're lower in empathy. And so you can cover more things in prayer and it's not going to suck the energy out of you. So yeah, put more on your plate. (laughs) Absolutely. Because Jamie, people like Jamie and me needs to know that there are people like you who are covering all these other things that we don't have the energy to cover in prayer. We need to know that there are people like you who are covering that side. It's almost the difference between um, your, just like your family doctor and your specialist, right? We need both. We need people who can go really, really, really deep into one area and we need people who've got their, their prayers covering like everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. And I really feel like, uh, it could be tempting to, like you said, like somehow we lump the quality of empathy into being more spiritual or yeah. more feminine and gentle yeah. and quiet spirity. And that's not the case. If you're, if you're someone that doesn't have high empathy, God has made you that way and it's good. It is good. And so I think that is just, I, we, we hammer this home every time we get every chance we get that God has made us as individuals and learning about how God has made you embracing Mm -hmm. that is a way to not, uh, I don't know, to not miss living out your life as that member of the body that is so important Mm -hmm. and integral and cannot be lived without. Um, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think too, let's go ahead. I know we mentioned it, but let's just kind of spell out the difference between empathy and compassion, because Hmm. I would say compassion is a command compassion. It's not, you either have it or you don't, right? Like we are meant to be compassionate towards people. We are meant to be loving and kind. We are meant to reach out to people in need. That falls under the compassion side. Empathy is, it is different. Empathy is where like you actually take on the emotions of somebody else. And so there, there is a difference. And so let's not forget, like we're commanded to be compassionate. A Christian should have compassion for those in need. Um, whereas yeah, not everybody's going to take on the emotional burden. That would be more of the empathy side of things. Um, you know, I think in the Bible, we see empathy when Jesus sees the crowd and he has compassion on them and he pours his energy into healing the masses. But then we also see him like, fleeing from the crowds in secret. So they can't follow him because he needed hedges around his time and his energy to do his real work, which was training up his disciples and praying to the father for strength for what was coming. And so I think that's a really good picture. Yes, we can be empathetic, but there are also times where God is going to say, okay, shut the door, Jamie, don't worry about the refugees right now. Go and focus on your family. That's what I am calling you to now. And I don't want anybody to feel 
guilty about that. I think that can be another pitfall of empathy is that we feel so strongly about so many things that we feel guilty if we can't do something about Mm -hmm. each and every one of them. Um, Sometimes empathy is going to make it feel like prayer itself isn't enough, right? Like, okay, I can pray for these refugees, but but I want to do something. And so again, remind yourself like prayer is the greater work and that yeah, there's going to be times where God calls you to pour your heart and your soul and your time and your energy into your prayers. And then there are going to be times where he's going to say, yeah, you're, you're writing a book, go, go write your book. You're cooking for your family, go cook for your family. And so we don't need to feel guilty that like, none of us are really meant to be in a spirit of intense intercession 24 seven. I just, I have no picture of how that could be sustainable for any of us. Mm-hmm. And so it's okay to go, go through seasons to, uh, you know, thinking about the waves, there's waves of prayer energy. Sometimes you're going to get mm-hmm. overcome and you're going to have to stop everything and, and pour your soul out in prayer for somebody. And other times you're just going to be going about your day, raising up your popcorn prayers. And there's, there's room for both, both are effective. And I think that the more you focus on what you're doing and you stay in your lane and you don't look at, oh, well, Alana prays like this or Alana spent this much time praying for that, right? Like we're all going to have a different, um, like imagine a pie chart, right? How much of your time do you spend praying for you and others and global things and praise? Like it's all going to be different and it's going to vary for from individual to individual. It's going to vary based on what's going on in your life. So don't worry about it. All right, then. All right, right that sums it up. <laughs> no, well, I'm glad we good. got to have this conversation. And yeah, I think that it's important to come up with some of these, um, some of these just warnings and ways to protect yourself if you are empathetic, because it is, uh, it can become too overwhelming. And and we do have other jobs besides just feeling everything in the world. And so sometimes we do need to put on blinders and we do need to shut the door and just say, okay, God's going to take care of this. I'm going to go cook dinner for my family. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and close with our blessing and benediction. May the kindness and grace of your heavenly father lead you to repentance today. May your heart be humbled before him to whom we all must give an account. May your spirit be quick and willing to confess your transgressions to the Lord so that he might forgive the guilt of your sins. May God himself, the one who is faithful and just, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And our benediction is from 1 Timothy 1.17. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.